think all of the marketing that was made for Dark Souls should have gone to Dead Rising. In what way, Jim? In the way that Dead Rising is basically everything that Dark Souls' reputation claims to be. When Dark Souls isn't that tough. Because I can play it and beat it, so you know it's not that tough. But Dead Rising requires a level of patience and... um, delivers with it such a sense of despair and hopelessness and discouragement <laughs> that it really is like like dead dead rising is the dark souls of video games like it is trite yeah. now to say that dark souls mm. is you know something is the dark souls of x but dead rising is actually way closer to the reputation dark souls has than dark souls has well, De- I'm saying dead this rising been, was one of the most thoroughly miserable experiences it's i've depressing, had depressing right yeah. i've been uh, replaying it cuz the collection came out recently and like the la- the last one yeah. was fun as hell i really enjoyed it dead that. rising 3 was a good the game first it was one designed was well like stressful anxiety simulator uh-huh <laughs> I think yeah, if we're I'm, talking been... the first one, you've got to tweak the catchphrases, though, slightly. It's not get good. It's get lucky or study time management yeah. on a spreadsheet. Get good it's, and get it's fast. Unbelievable. Get good, get get good the... at knowing which rooms to be in at which <laughs> moments, and there's no way to know in advance. Get good and, at that. And get the mini chainsaws. Yeah, oh yeah, get the mini chainsaws. That, that's one thing I've learned. And the book. I played it for the first time years and years. When it, actually, when it first came out, didn't have an HD TV at the time, so it was actually unplayable. I had to return it the next day after playing it for a few hours. I remember that, Because the text yeah. is so small yeah. that you, can't, you could not play it on, on an... I had a fairly big SD TV, couldn't play it. So I've been replaying it now that it's out on Xbox One PS4. I've been playing it on Xbox One, and I'm forcing myself to like it. It's a it's thoroughly like, I kind oppressive, of get it now after like, days. It, it's it's like being in a job. It's a thoroughly oppressive, miserable experience. <laughs> it really is, and and I've been finding myself like still compelled to play it, but I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm liking it. I mean, I mean, Dead Rising Two as well. They say is much better, but I was playing some of that, and what real. The last thing I did on that game was I was rescuing... I had about four survivors trying to rescue them. By the way, if you've never played Dead Rising, it's it's nothing but escort missions over and over again. The With game. the stupidest, dumbest, suicidal NPCs Terrible ever, NPC ever put AI. into a fucking game. <laughs> like, these are some of the worst <laughs> escort missions ever, yet people say this is a great game. They will run, they'll run into a horde of zombies... And yeah, get surrounded. Yeah. And the only way you can get them out is to kill the zombies. But there's friendly fire. So if you actually hit the zombies to get them out of the horde, you're going to kill them. Which brings me to Dead Rising 2, where I was <laughs> rescuing four survivors. One of them got surrounded by zombies. Up until that point, she kept getting in the way of my weapon anyway and kept <laughs> taking damage. <laughs> She was grabbed by zombies. I hit the zombies to get them off her. Hit her. It said she'd defected. And so she got angry and started firing at me. I ran away. Left her to it. I said, fine, right? Get some distance. Leave her to it. Um, Got halfway across the map. Fucking another one of the bastards got caught by zombies. Went to save that fucker. She turned up again, the defecting one, with a pistol in her hand. I had full health. She shot me. My character staggered. By the time like the stagger animation was done, she shot me again, and that's how I died, because she took me from full health to zero health in seconds with me being unable to move because I was stunlocked. <laughs> game over. Thank you very much. Start the game again. P.S. Fuck you. Get lucky. 
Am I right in remembering this, that in Dead Rising 3, they finally fixed that and made it nigh on impossible for you to get your NPCs killed? Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm actually, I'm, I'm oddly playing all three at the same time at the moment, cycling they, through them every few hours. They but certainly I made no the, real... um, the time limit more generous in three, oh, yeah, which, yeah. which I like, was a big fan of. You get a week and, and stuff's on a time limit, but it's not... It's not there, all, it's not even it's not remotely so easy as, to, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not so easy to just completely fuck everything up. Yeah. Um Dead Rising 3 just a lot of people didn't like it because they did make it more convenient. But I I'm sorry they made it a better game and everyone's yeah. shitting on Dead Rising 4 cuz you know they're ta- they they're still taking out time limits and all this shit. No, they're, they're making it better cuz Dead there is so much in Dead Rising that I'm looking at and I'm like how is this good game de- this is bad game design. Yeah. Like I I completely respect a few like misery and anxiety in your gaming experience but I've I've enough of that shit in real life that you know I don't need it in my games. <laughs> I don't want to take anything away from what Dead I mean Dead Rising deserves a lot of credit for having done a lot of things that other games didn't really have the spine to do. And the concept of it is very clever. The concept of, you know, these things are happening at this set time and you could miss them and all this stuff is clever. Uh, the one save file thing, um, I don't mind so much because that whole idea that if you die, you can carry over experience to the next thing isn't so bad. But there is so much about it that's also ponderous and plodding and gets in the way of the fun and the enjoyment. Mm. The execution that, was was left a lot to be desired. Yes, and, and I, I am at the point where I'm forcing myself to play it because I do see, I do see why people like it, but I also don't mm. know how anyone who likes it could at the same time argue it was designed in any way well. Um, so Dead Rising 4, I'm very much looking forward to because I'd like to play a game with Frank West in it that actually is a good game, not a game that you enjoy because you've made yourself enjoy it. Um, but anyway, I, I, this is all to say that I've been playing the Dead Rising games. I've been finding them incredibly fascinating. They are fascinating things, strange artifacts. Um, Dead Ri- the first Dead Rising especially because it's this kind of halfway house because it came out right at the beginning of that generation. So it's got a lot of like PS2 era sensibilities in its design uh, while trying to be, you know, for its time modern. Yeah. So it's, and, and, it is a strange and, game. And when it came out, um, I, I know I remember, and I think a lot of people would agree with this, they forgave a lot of its flaws because of how technically impressive it was visually and with the amount of zombies on screen was like nothing we'd ever seen. That's true. It, it is it and wasn't the whole weapon, very impressive. You pick up anything and use it as a weapon was a pretty novel idea and 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 it looked like for the time it looked fantastic. I remember looking at the game at, at times and being like, Whoa, this game looks yeah. so good. And well, I think I mean, a lot even, of people forgave the flaws because of these things. Even going back to it today, like as comparatively old as it looks now it's still impressive like the amount yeah. of zombies on the screen like when you go into the the, the leisure park in between all the mall areas yeah. like just that huge field <clears throat> full of zombies with a real good draw distance on them it's impressive three, as three also was like did mm. three three was one of the first games on the new uh new generation wasn't it yes yes it was yeah. um, when like when right that came out i remember there's one scene where you climb up on you're climbing out of a plane or a bus or something, and the first time you see the horde, it was mm. it was definitely very impressive. Oh yeah, that that whole mm. freeway that's just thick with them. Mm. Um, mm. 
Yes, yeah, st- still impressive stuff. Uh, but yeah, still had some god awful boss fights. Though. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The uh, again another fascinating thing because there's this part of the 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 psychopath fights that I respect because mm. there's something a bit Metal Gearish about the way they announce themselves, the way they die when you kill them, um, mm. just the way they're fought as well. Each one sort of oddly gimmicky. Have um, you done the one yet where you're outside in the park and the car is charging at you? I've met the car several times because I've, I've run through it a so couple times. I've never fucking... bothered fighting the car. Something tells oh me I'm just going to have a bad day with it. It was so mm. rage-inducing, that car. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a game. I, I, I think the whole problem with that series is basically just a good idea, like a, a solid idea on a technically well-running engine does not automatically mean a game that is fun to play. I don't think so. And, and, you know, not to take anything away from people who have fun playing it. I mean, like I said, I've been having an odd, twisted sort of fun with it. Uh, yeah. But it is a fun that you kind of have to, to really thought, try and make I, happen. Yeah. I found 3 I found three was a lot of fun. I, I, I think it got three? overlooked. No, no, no. Oh, I'm just talking it, about it came, it came out at the same time as a lot of big games, as far as I remember. And it got a little bit overshadowed by a lot of the new gen stuff. But, uh, I mean... I had a really good time with that game, and it, it was a fun game to explore, and it was a, a the combat was vastly improved. And as I might be imagining things here, but I feel like the NPC stuff was a lot better as well. I feel like they really made a good game there. I would agree. I mean, I, I thought Dead Rising Three was a, was a great game, um, mm. and personally, and I realise it'll be seen as uh, you know the words of a heathen to like proper Dead Rising fans, but I thought it was the best one. Uh, oh yeah, me too. By, it, by it, a it huge was, margin. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I see the predicament it's in because in order to make it like as good as they did, they had to also kind of make it a bit more generic because they had to take out unique things that some of the hardcore fans loved, but yeah. the general population didn't because the general population don't like having miserable times. So <laughs> the extended time limit, not having to escort survivors everywhere, you know. Um, the way they did survivors where... You just see them out in the streets surrounded by zombies and you just clear the zombies out. Boom. Mm. Survivor yeah. rescued. None of this hand-holding, carrying them about, yelling constantly to try and get them to follow you. Yeah. Um, none of the ponderous shit. But at the same time, it does then just... It's easy to write it off as just another open-world zombie mm. game at that point. Yeah. Uh, but... It but it is a little better. bit more than that. It is definitely. <laughs> it was a more fun bit to play. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. the the weapon crafting <laughs> stuff was fantastic, and the vehicles um, were fucking hilarious. Oh yeah, I mean, it. I'm on my second playthrough now, and you know, I played it for a long time, many years back, and and it's not old. The combining of the the steamroller with the bike, yeah. that's the big steamroller bike that shoots fire, like yeah. that doesn't get old that's brilliant um but anyway anyway my point is a lot of people are shitting on dead rising 4 but it looks really fun to me um but this is coming from someone who kind of really likes the the themes of dead rising and the the general idea on paper but none of the actual fiddly shit that kind of got in the way of the first it's it's a game that i have fun with moment to moment so long as i don't think about all the things that i'm not doing that i'm supposed to be doing (laughs) yeah yeah you kind of have to like the last my my last and most successful playthrough of of the first dead rising was me just going mission to like actual main case file to case file and not worrying about survivors (laughs) and other side quests too much it's like 
And now I'm getting a bit a bit more of a feel for it. So it's like, okay, yeah. I know where the good rewards are. So I know which points to hit, which ones to not fuck around with. I know mm. which survivors up up to a point are going to give me trouble and are just not fucking worth it. Mm. So I, I it, it and I kind of respect that. I respect a game that lets you carry over progress and learn things with multiple playthroughs. If it was, e- it would have been great if it was easier to get into a new campaign without mm. the same ponderous cutscenes and loading before and after each cutscene that comes. Yeah. Um, such yeah. a again, a, a, I, I I use the word a lot, but it really describes the first one really well. Is is ponderous? It's such a ponderous way to start every campaign for a game that in some ways has been designed for restarting a lot so yeah, yeah it's it's tough to love and i'm just saying that i think dead rising 4 is going to be really really fun um but I, clearly that's I not hope... what some people want no i i hope it is too um we did have a, a news story this week about someone criticizing a, a game with zombies in it oh oh yeah look at that segue have you heard this week that Hideo Kojima, the man who made a woman breathe through her skin, thinks that the idea of, of zombies in the Metal Gear Solid universe is stupid? Well, he's not wrong. They're, they're narratively silly and uh, they don't fit in the Metal Gear universe. What do you want about zombies are stupid? Well, he's Here's not the wrong. Thing, he's he's criticising a Konami product, so I'm, I'm instantly going <laughs> to side with him on this. Um, I mean, first of all, like... Like Metal Gear Survive is shit looking. Yeah, I mean, I will agree that it looks looking. shit. Yeah, it. it I, I'm still. And what amazed. is with the map? Have they reused the map but put some extra scenery into it or something? It- Several screenshots appear to show that it's using some of the same maps, so it's probably just going to be a reskin. The gameplay video I saw had like the exact same buildings from the Afghanistan I mean, map. Here's the thing: mm, I'm not yeah. overly, but, but with extra apocalyptic scenery in the background. Yeah. I'm not bothered by that so much. I mean, Far Cry Primal had the same map as Far Cry Four, but they put no, but, so much but more. But Jim, this was the exact same buildings, and, like like the yeah, exact yeah, same build, like layout and. I mean, I think it depends on. I mean, I mean, is this being built as an all new game at a yeah. at a full retail price? Because if it's kind of expansion price and everything. I am not too... And, you know, this is coming from someone who'll take any excuse to bash Konami, so it's not mm. like I'm defending them or like anything. With, with Far Cry Primal, if if someone hadn't pointed that out to me, I don't think I'd have ever noticed. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? No, no, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm just saying I'm not... They were a it, lot it, less transparent about the fact they were reusing assets for a new thing. My main yeah. thing is I, I, I don't think it's being sold as a, as a full 60 buck game. Um, yeah. And it is kind of being billed more as a sort of sort of standalone expansion in the kind of Far Cry Blood Dragon vein, except it's obviously nowhere near as inventive or interesting as Blood Dragon. Um, mm. So the idea of reusing the map isn't the problem with me. The problem I have is that you know Konami had a chance to make their first big Metal Gear game without Kojima and they needed to do something to really stand out and, and impress us and prove that the series is going to be fine without him and they went with a co-op survival zombie game the most generic yeah. boring concept you could fucking think I, of i mean I, that's I, that's Konami to a fucking T I quite like that Kojima didn't have to say anything for this game to look stupid, and then he was still like, no, 
I am the man known for silly, stupid things in 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 this particular series, and even I'm going to call you out on this one, yeah, Konami. Yeah, that's it. When, when, it's, when it's just that extra nail in the coffin. <laughs> uh, um, the, the, I mean, that's the thing. It's like they've gone too far narratively because they wouldn't go far enough in any other fucking realm. So it's yeah. like they managed to fuck themselves both ways by having the most uninventive, unimaginative gameplay idea possible. Which has then translated to the most ridiculous, stupid, pointless thing to have ever happened in a Metal Gear game. Which is saying a lot, and I'd say that as someone who loves the series. Well, it could still be more ridiculous. We could find out that the zombies breathe through their, their rotting flesh, and then well, we would all Well, they sure feel... don't breathe through their heads. And their yeah, because yeah, they've got those, no. those big fucking zombie I wouldn't be surprised horns. if they do no. breathe through their skin. We, we will regret our words and deeds when we learn that they breathe through oh, their I'm, rotting flesh. <laughs> I'm feeling ashamed already. They breathe through their horns. Um, <laughs> from um, what I've seen, like, like first impressions of the game and everything are not good. People, people do not seem to be impressed. And that's fine by me. I'm just going to sit here and look forward to death, death Stranding, even though I know nothing about it. Uh, we, we, we know that it's maybe going to have a female protagonist of some description. Don't know who or why, but that was, that was the Death Stranding bit of information we got this week. The only thing we do know about her is she will probably be in a bikini. Probably. Well, it's all right this time because Norman Reedus is butt naked, so... That's true. Yeah. He's as nude um, as you like. Apparently that game is coming out within the next two years... Uh, Kojima said that it will come out before the year that the movie Akira is set in, and that's set in 2019. So presumably, just, give us, just say before 2019. You. He's trying to be cryptic and cute and Japanese game developery. <sighs> you know, at this, when he does it, that. at this point, he tries as to well, look mysterious in like without doing anything <laughs> of mystery. At this at this point as well, like you have to take every uh, game date release date announcement with a fucking dead sea. A worth of salt, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's he. The fact that they're even considering two years from now having this game together, a says a lot to how much can be accomplished when you don't try and make your own game engine from the ground up for a project. Yeah. And b, it sounds like Sony are throwing money at this to make it happen. Yeah. Like if they think this is happening in two years, they're throwing infinite resources at him. They've probably done half the work on Silent Hills that they're just transporting over to Death Stranding anyway, so it's probably Pro- half done. Probably. Like, they, they saved all that time they needed to, like, model naked Norman Reedus, because I guarantee that was going to be in Silent, Silent oh, Hills. Oh, that was the first thing Kojima worked on, would have been yeah. naked Norman Reedus. So he's that like, was, I've, I've his, still got that, that was his. Pr- that was his concept for the game that he pitched to Sony, nor- naked Norman Reedus. They're like, uh, and? And he's like, well, that's my idea, and I'll build from there. <laughs> to be fair, if you're Hideo Kojima, you can walk up to pretty much any game publisher and say, I want to make a game about naked Norman Reedus, and they'll say yes. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so, you could probably do that with, with TV as well, and they would say yes. Probably. Um, yeah. t- talking of like games that have had mediocre first impressions about them, like uh, Metal Gear Survive did... Literally a day or so after we recorded the podcast last week, uh, first hands-ons with um, The Last Guardian happened at TGS from press, and it's not sounding like that game's going to be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, apparently people are a bit tepid on it. (sighs) 
the the responses so far, like I've read maybe three or four previews and all of them come across as if this was a late era PS2 game, this would have been a great late era PS2 game. As it is, yeah. it feels like a 1080p, 60 frames per second, beautiful looking late stage PS2 game that fundamentally has not really learnt from the last 10 years of game development. Yeah. I mean, with, I mean, it with, was surprised. With the, yeah. with the fiddly, funky controls of both the other Team Ico games, is that, like, something oh, that's, it has? Oh, that's apparently still a problem. Um, uh, like, when, when you start trying to walk, you don't walk, you just kind of lurch in a direction. Oh, I hate just that lurchy shit. So, that lurchy st- shit is there. Um, apparently, the bird dog that's supposed to respond when you press a button... It's very hit and miss whether it listens to you. Um, oh, now, people, uh, some people are saying, and I laugh a little bit at hearing this, oh, well, maybe that's deliberate that the bird dog is unresponsive because it's like a real pet. Oh, I'm like, no, on. that's there's other ways. There's other ways to do that that aren't infuriating. And, and the same goes for climbing walls and climbing onto your horse. <laughs> I saw that. I see people trying to justify that when I reviewed um, Kane and Lynch 2. Um, Lucky Steve isn't here this week. I reviewed Kane and Lynch 2 and I pointed out how the cover system doesn't work because you get like shot to pieces no matter what cover you take. And some of the game's defenders, it had some defenders, were all, well, that's more realistic, isn't it? Because you can't hide behind a table and not get shot. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that is more realistic. But Yes, because Kane, Kane and Lynch is renowned for its realism. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. in real life, you get shot by a bullet once and you're out of the fucking fight. <laughs> Whether you die or not, you're out of the fucking fight so let's not talk about realism in a game where you're taking a full clip of fucking every three minutes <laughs> well in in relation to the bird dog thing like the way that you make that less annoying and less irritating is rather than have it just sometimes not respond maybe have it sometimes like respond and you can see it's responded but it's playfully like not doing what you want and you have to try again it's like show, oh, fine, show its reluctance yeah. to respond Sh- or... show that it like the game acknowledging yes we acknowledge you pressed the button the bird dog is aware of that but this is their response rather yeah. than just having the it not respond to the button Go, don't um, give game developers free excuses if if something's fucked up in a game do not try and like logic it away yourself and give them the potential to just say, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what we meant to do. Ah, silly fool, <laughs> do you not see? Ah, like, don't don't give them ideas for ways to bullshit their way out of something they've not done, please. But no, re- reading the TGS previews, it definitely sounds like it's suffering from exactly what a lot of people were fearing it would, being in development for pretty much a decade. Does this come as a, a big surprise to anyone, no, I, I, well, that's I have what to I say, said, I, like, yeah. I'm kind of yeah. I it's expected no, this somewhat. It's no it's big kind surprise. Of it doesn't make it better. I know, but I did somewhat expect this. It's no big surprise that a decade ago they made some fundamental decisions about the design of that game, and a decade later, when that game comes out, some of those fundamental design decisions will no longer be relevant to the industry as it is today. Yeah. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. By that point, it could be so ingrained in what you've built. That you yeah. can't pull it out again. So it's like you're yeah. stuck with this. I mean, we saw this with Duke Nukem Forever. Like, so much in it. Like, anything modern in it feels bolted on. Because that's the best you can do at that point. Once mm. you've got the skeleton there, you just kind of kind of paste the muscle and skin around it. And by this point, The Last Guardian is... is there's huge 
fundamental parts of it that are going to be set in stone. And the only way you fix that is to scrap the whole thing and start again, which, let's face it, they're not going to do at this point. No, my suspicion is that at no point did this get entirely scrapped. They at all points kept something of it yeah. in place. And like, there's this great quote that I've seen a few times that's something to the effect of... Um, don't stick with a mistake just because you spent a long time making that mistake already. Mm. And I feel like that sums up probably what's gone on with The Last Guardian, is there was probably well, a the... point, like, halfway through its development five years ago, they could have scrapped it, started that's, that's again, and had a better my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we got to talk about money as well, because if they were still intending to release this five years ago, then they probably didn't want to... In, in order to hit deadlines and budget restrictions, mm. probably can't throw a lot of stuff out. So that there are probably mistakes they made decades hence that they've got to stick with because it's just too expensive now. Yeah. I've got to imagine yeah. after all this time, um, certainly Sony doesn't want to give much more money to it. So it, it, at this point, I feel like they just want to get it out. Just, just get it done. I think in terms of recouping their money, this is the best thing they could do. I think in terms of making a good game, there are things they could have done that would have produced a better product. But they're pro just just by notoriety of it never having not come out, people will buy it on name name awareness oh, alone at this it'll point. It'll probably sell. I have a feeling if it if it if what we're hearing about it now is because I've not played it, so I can't make a full value judgment. No. But if what we're hearing now turns out to be true, something tells me it's going to sell pretty decently. Um, not fantastically, because Team Ico are not system sellers. They're not huge names. Um, they have a, a very dedicated cult following. Mm. So it's going to sell to that market, but y I think you know anyone what? else I... who may have heard of it and bought it on Hype will be returning I... it, and it, it, we'll see a lot of returns on that one. I, f I feel like the platform it would have sold the most on is PC, but it's not going to be on PC, so... Possibly, I feel like it's probably um, not going to sell that well. Here's here's the thing. I think what's probably going to sell it most is not the game itself because the like the game seems like it's a little bit mediocre. It's going to be if there is some very impressive sad ending to it where everyone's like, "Oh, you have to play this because that sad bit at the end where the bird dog dies and the kid dies and the castle crumbles." And then we find out that there were babies at the bottom and they all died too. Wasn't it sad? And then the kid the, the kid destroys the entire world to bring his dog bird back to life. Yeah. It'll be people hyping up the narrative that sells if it. If the if dog anything. bird dies in it, I'm, I'm, I'm criticising that. That is so fucking obvious, especially at this point after all these years. And it's obvious within the game industry now. Any pet, any animal, any dog companion... <laughs> The first thing people say is that's gonna die. People were calling it in recore. Fucking robot dogs aren't safe from this. Uh, it, it's it's such an obvious trope. Like it should be considered. It should be up there with like you know the worst cliches in storytelling now. Yeah. Oh, you've got a cute little dog thing, buddy. Yeah, that's dead. Like that is such a dead horse trope. Because it's easier to relate to that than it is to write a good human character. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that they kill the kid rather than killing the dog bird because the dog bird is the predictable thing to kill. Kill the kid, have the dog bird go on a bit of a rampage, and it's why, like, why does one of them have to like die? Why not not kill any of them? <laughs> because every single one of these trailers is about the building of a relationship between these two, and the only way to have an emotional payoff is to kill one of them. Apparently, here, well, that says volumes thing. about you can, the video you can, game industry. You can make. Some very emotionally moving and tragic stories without having to kill anyone. Ah, 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 Gav, 
Yeah. <laughs> Talented writers came. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, We're dealing with the big budget game industry where most, yeah. like, like the most they can come up with for emotion is mm. this character dies and now you're sad. Like yeah. that's like that goes all the way back to fucking you know before Aerith in Final Fantasy VII. Sorry, spoilers. Um, oh. You know before even that, like most Final Fantasies even have someone that does that at some point. Um, it's such an old fucking thing, and the game industry's never evolved beyond that. Like its idea yeah. of tragedy is still death, which I think is you know for a, a medium that mostly expresses itself through violence. Through you know most conflict is is of a physical nature um, because that's the best mm. way people have to immediately mm. interact with an audience and get a conflict out of the way. Um, it's no surprise that death is, is all they can think of for tragedy because it's, it's the stock and trade of most AAA games. I've been replaying Dishonored and um, I like how some of the non-lethal assassination options in that game are somewhat worse than actually, oh, they're killing, actually, than actually killing the person. <laughs> they're far more interesting because of yeah. that as well. That speaks volumes of the simplicity of the way the video game industry looks at death and everything, as, mm. as that is the ultimate tragedy, the ultimate Death equals thing. you feel sad now. Um, it's one of my frustrations I had with Bioshock 2, which I've also been oh, playing in the collection, yeah. with uh, the character of um, uh, Gil Alexander, who... His past self is begging you to kill him because he's losing his mind and his current self is this warped, twisted monstrosity. Mm. And he's like, don't let me live like that. But you actually get bad karma. You, you, it's considered a bad thing to put the thing out of its misery and kill it because, oh my God, you can't kill anything. You I was talking merciful. about this on Twitter today. Mm. I cannot think of any example of a binary karma system in a game that has been anything to me but annoying and a hindrance and limited my fun ever. I yeah, I, yeah, I feel yeah. like a binary two morality system just simply doesn't work. Like I, it's not. I like I like the, to human no. beings. <laughs> I I like the idea of a similar system that schools you on a variety of things where it might be trustfulness or aggressiveness yeah, exactly. or loyalty, and that various gauges will go up and down. Yeah, or or like you you did this action, so now this character's pissed off with you, you know. Like you 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 killed this person, so now their friend hates you, but yeah. not you are good, you are bad from the god of the game, you know this fucking <laughs> yeah. invisible deity in the code who judges One your every action. One of the best action. things Fallout Four did was scrap that in favor of different NPCs just judge you differently according to what you've done, and you yeah. get different reputations with yeah, different exactly. people. They like, they didn't they didn't they didn't execute it perfectly, but it definitely was a, a, an improvement from yeah. It's a step three. up from the you know you get bad karma for stealing cigarettes, and then yeah. you could go on a murderous rampage and slaughter an entire town, but then give enough purified water to the beggar outside, and then you're all good again cosmically. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of the binary good bad choices in games are bullshit, um, and yeah, Bioshock two was was uh, a huge indicator of that. And, and a lot of it always still comes down to spare this person or kill this person. And it's always regardless of what that person is and what mm. sparing them means, which again brings us back to Dishonored, where the, the quote-unquote merciful options were often so much more sadistic, and yet you're considered a good guy 
you almost wouldn't manage it. You wouldn't notice it so much in something like um, like a, sh- a silly shooter. But in a game mm. that prides itself on its cleverness, like Bioshock or whatever, it's insulting to your intelligence to be in that situation in a game that's about philosophy and, you know, political systems, you know? I think the biggest problem with most of those binary uh, binary morality systems is that it gets it, they want you to stop and think about what is the moral thing to do here and then it will tell you whether your choice was deemed the moral or immoral choice. So yeah. like they try and put difficult tasks in front of you and say what do you think is the right thing to do with these two difficult choices and then be like you did the bad thing. I know you thought it was moral, but you did the bad thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, there have been games that have been more complicated than that. The names of which I can't remember now, which is really useless for the conversation. Th- there was there one you both liked where... last year about the war. The the war of mine. This war, this of, war mine. of mine. That, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah that, get, yeah, that gives you choices. Where it's like, there's. I like games where there's no good or bad choice. It's just, this is going to fuck something over. This yeah. is gonna yeah. fuck somebody over, um, and you've but, just got to like, like decide like what's the least harm, what's who could stand to lose something, who couldn't mm. like, it, and and there's no meter governing whether what you did was good or bad. You mm. just have to make the decision and live with it. There's like been if, a few games that have done that, but um, t- too few and far between compared to the ones with these. I'm glad it's fallen out of favour. It seems to have gotten less fashionable this generation. The mm. binary choice thing, which I'm so. I'm a glad little. For. I was a little disappointed to hear it's coming back in Dishonored too. I hope yeah. they. I, I hope they've implemented it better. I wouldn't hold my breath if it's a sequel yeah. to an existing franchise. They will probably keep a lot of that system yeah. the same but at if its you, core. If you look at something like um, the Legion in New Vegas, like you can you can go inside with them and like. Loads of the NPCs in the game will then go, well, you're obviously a scumbag. And 90% of us who play that game will look at them and go, yeah, they're the bad guys. But if you side with them, the fucking great god in the sky of the code doesn't come down and tell you, naughty, naughty, bad karma. You know what I mean? It's up to you. It's up to you. And... The, yeah. the characters in the game judge you for your actions yeah. there, not you the fucking to take game the con- itself. Yeah, are you willing to take the consequence of that specific action rather than that action says that you are bad now the universe will yeah. know that your reputation's a bit worse? The exactly. only time I liked it, the only time I've liked a binary choice where there is a good and bad choice and, you know, you are a bad person for doing it, is, um, talking about Bioshock again, the very first Bioshock. Mm. Um, the killing the little sisters. Yeah. Now that's been criticised before because it's like, well, they say that you get an immediate reward and, no, it and works more out better in the end if you the save sisters. Them. But yeah, that's the point. People have criticised that and said, well, there's there's no real conflict there. But mm. I like that because it shouldn't be a conflict because your choice is kill a little girl or don't kill a little girl. And the reason <laughs> Atlas at the time gives you for killing her. Is so weak and flimsy. It's like, ah, she looks like a little girl, but she's a monster. And you're like, well, oh, yeah, but, dear, but she looks and thinks. That's let an, let it, me rephrase that. You think that's a little girl? That right there's a little sister. He has a Dublin I, accent, Jim, not a fucking I a Darby O'Gill leprechaun. <laughs> I did a perfect impersonation of Atlas. So anyway, his all, his all, his all, the now. You got a little girl, but she's actually a monster. <laughs> she's got your lucky charms. Oh, she's a bad wee one, she is. You're going to have to kill her and get all your autumn. She's skipping over to the 
rainbow at this 20 is, gold. This is, this is racist cultural appropriation you're doing here, and I it's, will it's not okay. stand for it's, it. It's okay, let's Gavin. We it. have I'm, an Irish friend. This is, my, an, <laughs> this is my oppressors mocking my my heritage here. I'm allowed to make... Gavin, with the accent I, I just did, Ireland. you couldn't call it appropriation. <laughs> <laughs> that was not Irish. It was um, crap. It was crap appropriation. It was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. what I liked about it was the fact that, yeah, you, you are rewarded more in the long run for sparing them, as it should yeah. be, because it's not a choice. That's not a choice. Killing someone who, you know, may quote-unquote be a monster because she's got a bit of a slug in her that you could easily pull out. And she's um, not a monster And he's still anymore. mentally, <laughs> psychologically a little girl. Yeah. Um, and that's the one reason, that's the, the one binary choice I liked because it's, it's not a binary choice. It's not a moral choice. It's you're a dickhead and you're going to get screwed for being a dickhead or you're not a dickhead. Mm. And I, I actually I like that one. I do enjoy systems where there is binary morality, but it's very obvious what the moral thing and the immoral thing to do are. And that if you deliberately choose to do the immoral thing, you're going to get mechanically punished for that as you go through. Yeah. Undertale yeah. is an example I like of this. Undertale is the most mm. famous one. It's, I, I, it, well, currently, it is, yeah. It is certainly one where if you do the obviously immoral thing, that game will ramp up its difficulty and say, okay, you want to do it this way? Then fuck it. This is how we're doing it. I yeah, do enjoy like You just that. get berated and belittled and you're, yeah. you're supposed to feel like a horrible person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, but I mean, it works in Undertale and Bioshock because both of those games are kind of deconstructions of choice in games mm. and, yeah. you know, uh, actual gameplay mechanics as well as what other, what yeah. other um, uh, themes they're running. So it kind now, of works. Now that you there. mentioned that, Jim, uh, the, the point in Bioshock where it's like you never really had a choice about any of this at all, maybe that is the point with the Little Sisters uh, binary choice. Well, I think that's what makes what makes it work where it could have failed. Is mm. yeah, it's not really a choice when you look at it. Um, mm. But this is a game where one of the big themes is that most choice in video games is an illusion anyway. Yeah. So mm. what better way than to give you like the most obvious illusion of a choice <laughs> that there is, well, where they, the they... only reason to kill them is to just be a, a like just to be evil. And just they, to see what the bad ending might be. And they, the bad ending's, ending's shit anyway. They make a point right at the start to be like, what is it, a man chooses a slave obeys. And it's like, they, they make a point of saying, like, we're going to tell you to do stuff. You don't have to do it. That's like line one of this bloody series. Mm. Yeah, so, you, so you know you know, going in, like, I don't have to do this. If I choose to, I probably get the consequences of that. So yeah, that's the one that and Undertale are the times it's worked. Fucking yeah. when you do it like uh, the first Infamous tried, where it's mm. so so unsubtle. Like there's a bit, the bit that always has typified the problem with moral choice systems to me was in that game where you, as as the the protagonist, you secure this food. Which you know, oh, all these poor God, people yeah, want, and then he instantly like has this thought process in his head with these still drawings showing the consequences. Where it's like I could give them all the food and let them eat, or I could keep it all and they could all die. And I'm like, who thinks like that? Who thinks in that stark black and white polarized extreme? No human. Like, it was the most ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, Trump. Like, it was the most ridiculous fucking thing ever, but 
around that time period that was so on vogue for video games yeah. was to have these extremes. Either I am literally Jesus or literally Satan. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm so glad that shit's calmed. It's calmed its fucking boots down over I, the last couple of years. I, I sound like a broken record here, but I thought The Witcher 3 handled that really well with the choices and the, the decisions. Yeah, it did that pretty well. And there weren't always like it wasn't always like bad outcome, good outcome. It was various, exactly. various shitty outcomes. <laughs> yeah, it was different. Like like choose your flavor of people mm. having a bad time. Yeah, um, that was another one. I think that that you're right. It did do it well. It did present more often more than just two binary choices. Sometimes yeah. you could do you know other different things. And then and sometimes your choices paths. would lead into other quests as well and affect the other quests, which I yes. thought was cool. Well, I mean, you know, everyone praises the Bloody Baron quest line, which was just fantastic. And oh, I, so- I only found out this week that there's a section of that quest that if you do it before the Bloody Baron quest, it completely changes how that plays out. It's like, there wow, you go. I, I, I mean, that's... No that that the bloody baron quest should be considered like a masterclass in how to do a quest with choices mm. and effects and consequences because yeah it does have different effects and it's so morally gray that quest there is no this is a hero this is a villain it's it's mm. it's so muddy it um, really is a beautifully designed yeah. quest line I mean, there's some awkward dialogue options I could have done without in it, but, you know, that's a whole topic well, for another day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't remember where we left, what piece of news we left off on to get to this deep, in-depth discussion of moral choices. It was a good discussion. It, it uh, was certainly a discussion that happened. I'm just going to take a left turn and take us to it, a different bit It was bit the of... dog in the, um, oh, in, yeah, in the Last the, Guardian. Yeah, ways of affecting uh, people's emotions. Um, yeah. yeah. So Either way, game's delayed and will probably be rubbish. Let's move yeah, on. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so <laughs> I hope it's good. But, you know. Games that have flaws in them because the people making them were just too good at video games. Did you guys hear about the fact that Shimigami Tensei, the new one that just came out in North America has some untranslated Japanese text in it, and the developers are blaming the QA testers being too good at playing the game. You just said some Japanese words that just went so over my head. I think I'll leave you two to this one. (laughs) Did I say Japanese? Oh, yeah, Shimigami Shimigami something or other. Um, I was like, yeah, no, this is one for you guys. It's a popular JRPG (laughs) series. Um, So basically the whole thing was um, the game's gone out and there's untranslated Japanese in the North American version. And the developers have said the reason why that happened is, well, this bit of text only gets seen if you're in this particular, like, difficult late game boss fight and you happen to have one of your party die. You have to be losing the fight and then get a dialogue option and then this comes up. And the reason why our QA testers didn't find it is because they're all too good at playing the game and none of them ever died in this fight and that doesn't say anything bad about the balance of the game and no siree, our QA testers are just too good to find this particular untranslated (laughs) Japanese just sat in the game. It's a funny story. Um, um, but actually, yeah, it's, it's, uh, an, not, it's an odd. For, for, yeah. This is kind of on topic, but kind of off topic. But um, speaking of Japanese and, and untranslated Japanese, the Metal Gear trailer that came out this week with all the gameplay was all in Japanese, mm. despite being released to a Western on YouTube towards aimed towards the Western audience. Well, wasn't that and the narrator it was a TGS trailer? I don't know what it was. 
I, but I, I just think, thought I it was so funny that they didn't even try to subtitle it or anything. I was like, it's so typical of how tone deaf Konami is. Well, that, I think like, it's because that trailer was released at TGS and they didn't. They were like, eh, it was a Japanese conference trailer. If you want yeah, to have still, it, there's Japanese on it. But still, the fact that their games sell, you know, are largely sold as well in the West and it was on YouTube, which, you know, it, is YouTube it's, even popular in Japan? I, and it had no translation at it's all. Not, it's not rare for that to happen around TGS. I see that for a lot of games. Maybe that's because I tend to follow more sort of JRPG-ish stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, it's, I, yeah, it's I certainly Konami didn't specific. think it was uncommon to okay. see like a trailer out of TGS with Japanese yeah. text on it. I mean, maybe, don't get me maybe wrong, it just looked more, maybe it just Maybe it just looked more alien to me because I don't follow that much Japanese stuff, do you know? Yeah. No, I mean, you... I'm worried. I am worried that I've been saying a few things in defense of Konami this week, so I've, I do have to just keep uttering "fuck Konami." That's all so right. That, fuck Konami. So that people know um, that Konami is the worst. Yeah. Um, so while we still don't officially know what the Nintendo NX is, the 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 head of the Pokemon Company seemingly confirmed what it was in an official statement this week. Christ, while not just get this actually thing saying over it. with. So the Pokemon Company boss said, hey, we're going to make Pokemon games for the NX. Um, the NX that we are making games for is going to stretch the boundaries of what you think a home console and a handheld device are. And that's very clearly like, yeah, it's the home console handheld hybrid that everyone's been talking about for about three years. So... I don't know why Nintendo aren't talking about it if they're like second party d- d- attached developers like Pokemon the Pokemon company are like yeah yeah it's it's to do with home console and handhelds and hybrids to fucking announce yeah. it Nintendo Yeah that's it just get it out the fucking way <laughs> Like I'm I'm hearing early October for a reveal but like I just want them to fucking say what the thing is now because it's meant to be out in 6 months um there is a rumor that there is a release date has leaked for the console because uh, Nintendo's UK website uh for purchasing things their sort of sales website put up a release date of March 4th for the Zelda Breath of the Wild amiibo, which would seem to suggest that that is the release date of Breath of the Wild, as well as the release date of the NX, because that's supposed to launch the same day. They took that down very quickly, but that is during the month that Nintendo said the NX was going to launch, so it's probably coming out March 4th. It's probably some kind of handheld home console hybrid. It probably looks a lot like those pictures that every gaming site has been putting up of roughly what it looks like. Sorry, I had to wee-wee. That's okay, you you didn't miss much. You didn't even notice I was gone, did you? You missed Nintendo being shits. Um, Yeah, you didn't even notice I left, did you? Ah, how would why would we notice something silly like that? <laughs> to be fair, she she's talking about Nintendo. Yeah, I just assumed you were being quiet because I was talking Nintendo. Um, <laughs> so, again, it seems kind of ridiculous that Nintendo still aren't talking about it when we know that it's probably a home console handheld hybrid with detachable controllers on the side with a 720p screen releasing releasing on March fourth. I'm sick of hearing about it, to be honest. I'm I'm sick of it, and it's not even out yet. This is the problem. It's not even announced you... and revealed yet. Oh, well, this is the problem when something like is so obviously 
announced ready and they're not doing anything with it. It was the same with the PS4 Slim stuff by the mm. end of it. It was like it finally was announced. I'm like, right, good. Now let's well, fucking move on. At, at least with the PS4 Slim, there was the defense of they want to sell their remaining large PS4 stock. They want to sell that stock out before the Slim happens. So they were like, they didn't want to acknowledge it existed. That's fine. I get that from a marketing perspective, even if it's stupid. You're not going to cannibalise Wii U sales by announcing what the NX is and when it's coming out and how much it is. Because nobody's fucking buying a Wii Lauren, U right now because is... there's no fucking games for it. This is something that like, I, I would have to come from a different angle on this in that mm. with announces and stuff and reveals and all that, there's hype periods. Yeah. And if they say, oh yeah, it exists, okay, Laura, it exists, and then you can write an article on it, and everyone's like, oh, it exists, that destroys then their hype period when they actually announce it. Yeah, but here's, here's my question, Gavin. If they're six months out from launch and not planning to say what it is yet, why did they announce the NX name a year and a half ago? And why are they letting the Pokemon company, which they own a large percentage of, talk openly about what it is and what the nature of the device is? Like, why are you doing that if you're not openly going to talk about what it is, but you're going to let third parties talk quite openly about what it is? It's it's total. It's nonsense. It, like, honestly, the whole NX thing is nonsense. What the way they're doing it. Like and six. I'm normally someone who's like, even when I see Nintendo doing something nonsensical, I think hey, it's Nintendo. They always do something weird and stupid. I'm gonna let them do it. It'll probably be all mm. right. But this is just pissing me off. It's just it's weird that that they would let the Pokemon company talk about, yeah, it's a console slash a handheld, and it's gonna change what you think a console and a handheld are. And basically confirm all the rumours that are going round while not announcing it themselves. It just feels really weird. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's me shouting at Nintendo again. Stop being weird, <laughs> Nintendo. Uh, I think that is it for news this week. It was fairly light on news. Have we got any games we've played this week that we haven't talked Sorry, about yet? Um, well, I got the... I really got my mentions of Bioshock and Dead Rising mm. done. They're, they're mostly got, all I've been doing. I got my mention of Dishonored, which is still four years later, an incredible game. <laughs> and it was it was my game of the year in 2012, and it's still one that I love to replay. It's just so good. Yeah, I've been playing bits and bobs of The Binding of Isaac Rebirth, so I've been sort of sticking my head down that rabbit hole a bit more again. We've talked to death about it and damn played, fine game. played Rebirth, Afterbirth, whatevs. Um, I think the only other thing of note this week is that this week during the podcast, I am drinking bacon soda again because we're recording this on the one-year anniversary of when David Cameron fucked that pig. No yes, way, was we that are. a year ago? Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, it was a whole David year ago. David Cameron fucked a pig. Oh David Cameron did it. Oink. So, yeah, that was a whole 12 months ago. So in celebration, I am drinking some, some pork-flavoured beverages to celebrate the fact that we must never forget that David Cameron fucked a pig on the 21st Great of September. Days. Well, that's when we Great find out days. about it, but I'm going to say he fucked a pig on the 21st of September. Well, I mean, he, knowing David Cameron, he probably fucks a day every, like, fucks a pig every day of the week. So yeah. every day is literally the year anniversary of when David Cameron fucked a pig. Yeah, but this is the it year anniversary. It will only ever stop being an anniversary after he is. I mean, like, he's single handedly raising the economy there, so we can't criticize him too much. I mean, that's 365 pigs a year that need to be. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
bought from a That's farm. not all he's raising. He is raising pigs before lowering them on his dick when he's, he fucks them. He's, he's mm. raising pork to place on his pork. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, with his paint. Yeah, he's, he he's raising pig, his everyone. pork to put some pork on. He he's fucks his, in the face. He's putting his sausage into the pig's pudding. He's making bacon. He's his uh, pig, pig, a pig, hot dog, pig, pig, a pig sucked pork him off. Bun. Pig, pig him off. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm drinking disgusting bacon flavored soda again today. Is just just Yuck. to celebrate the moment. Um, sausage roll, something about sausage rolls. I'm, so- sausage I, roll I, all over my balls. Oh, I'm uh, I'm so oh god. Do we want to do oh. we want to do some questions? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah, let's, go on. let's do some questions. First questions this first questions plural first questions singular this week is from Stuart Ashens. That person Hooray! He, he reviews video stuff and tat on a sofa. And he had a boglin in his last in his um loot crate and um uh oh, what's the name of the other one? He gets like eighties and nineties toys in boxes sent to him. Yeah. And he had a mini Boglin in one in his last uh the last, well the last one I saw, I think it was last week. Yeah. Didn't so... his house get broken into last night? If it mm. did, I completely missed it that. Said, <laughs> it said a very tall man dressed in black and red broke into his house last night and stole some toys. Mm. Nah, <laughs> he ain't he ain't got any Boglins I need. I've got <laughs> I, I have no motive. Um, like, in fact, the one he showed because I'm a sad little nerd git. I um, dug out the exact one of that one I had and took a photo and was all <laughs> like, "Look, I've got it as well." And then I gave him the name. I, I posted in the comments um, to give the name and the tribe to which that boglin belonged. <laughs> and then one of the comments replied with, "Oh, if it isn't the cuck king himself," which <laughs> yeah. proves my theory that I've had for a while that outside of my own YouTube channel, I cannot post a comment in any other YouTube video, no matter who it is, no matter like what it is. If I post, someone, someone will find it and reply to let me know I'm a cuck. <laughs> yeah. That's ju- that just happens now. Cucklebury any- Finn over here living in Cucklevania. Oh, on the seashore, collecting cuckles and mussels. (laughs) So uh, they say they can't do it on my YouTube channel because I have a word filter for the word "cuck," which really throws them off. (laughs) Uh, So our question from Mr. Rations is: What do you want the next Souls game to be? Good. Yeah, good. Good is a good answer. Um, I want. I want sci-fi Souls. Like I still want a, a like a neon Laura, colorful sci-fi um, souls. The guys who made Lords of the Fallen are creating a Dark Souls style sci-fi game, which they're, actually looks pretty. They're good. like getting there quick it, before from software. It, yeah. it. it looks pretty good. Yeah. Having played Lords of the Fallen, that was not as good as Dark Souls. So I'm like, yeah. no way. I don't. Yeah. I feel Lords I, of the I Fallen will, had a lot of potential, yeah. though. It had I will a lot take. Of it was a good enough game. Yeah, and that's yeah. it. It was good enough. They yeah. them doing a sci-fi Souls game if if From Software never do one will be good enough. Yeah. But I would like a From Software developed sci-fi Souls. Yeah, yeah I'd like one set in Vice City. Let's get some eighties going on in our Dark Souls. Eighties <laughs> America with with angry swords and bosses. Yeah. I actually really would like a Dark Souls style game that I mean still set it in 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 a fantasy world, but like give that fantasy world like a bit of an eighties aesthetic. Cy- Put in some cyberpunk. keyboards in the soundtrack and shit. CDP got your back, Jim. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk does look um, 
I, I, I hesitate to say it looks anything because we yeah. we still. I can't imagine it on. not being good. <laughs> you know. I mean, I hope it'll be good. I'll say that yeah. much. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that would be that question done when it comes out in like ten years. Yeah. Um, Gavin, what would you like the next Dark Souls to be? Uh, I would like it to be mechanically more like Dark Souls three, and level and world design wise more like Dark Souls one. That's what I would like. That is totally fair. Um, yeah. So next question, we're going to take one from Jake Pete Paco, and hit the question says, "This is time for JPP's penis question of the week." <laughs> Oh, good. Kualizhang, which I've probably pronounced terribly wrong, is a famous restaurant in Beijing, China, that exclusively serves animal genitalia. So, Jake's question is, would you eat an animal penis if it was cooked by a fancy pants Chinese chef? No. I would, but I wouldn't go there. I'm not going to go to a place that exclusively sells animal junk, because that (laughs) is showing off. Now, if I'm at an ordinary, if I'm at an ordinary Beijing restaurant and they're like, okay, you know, you've ordered the the eggs. Um, Also, would you like on the side some tiger dong? I'll be like, yeah, all right. So now that you've offered it as an accompaniment Mm. and you're not trying to, um, you know, uh, get a reputation as... (laughs) As the, the, the tiger junk the penis, people. The penis food place, yeah. Yeah, like, I'll eat a penis, but I don't want to be gauche about it. So, so his, his, hand me the tiger dong, please. Here's the first thought I had about eating tiger dong. I would weirdly feel more comfortable about starting from, like, the end of the shaft rather than starting from eating the head end. And I don't know why that's mm-hmm. a difference in my mind, that... Eating the shaft, I can kind of, like, mentally disconnect that I'm eating a penis. And then when I get to the head, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitively where it becomes penis meat. Yeah, I think, I think for me, I'd have to eat it the way you'd eat, um, you know, like a fish at a fancy restaurant where they leave the head and tail. Mm. It's like, cut the head and tail off and then just get at the shaft like, of it, I would, of, the, of the fish, I would the veiny th- shaft of the fish. I wouldn't think twice about eating, like, a sausage that was made out of, like, ground animal penis meat. I'd be like, yeah, I'm up for that. But if I have to see it looking like a penis and eat the bits of it that I can't pretend aren't a penis while it's in my mouth, that's where I'm like, oh, I'll probably give it a try, but I might chicken out. Yeah, that's the ultimate conundrum, though, because if you're going to cook up a dong and serve it... If it's ground up and put in a thing, there's no people aren't going to get any satisfaction from that. They're going to be like, well, I, I know it was a penis, but I didn't feel like it was a penis. You're going to want to see a big raw lad on the middle of a plate surrounded by some parsley. It's like when people in the UK found out they'd been eating horse for months. It's like, well, we didn't really care because we didn't feel like we'd actually eaten horse because we like didn't have like, here's a hoof clumped down on your plate. So I think it's the same situation here. You need to have just like a dong flopped into the plate. But That's again, it. I just I, you know what? Just 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 meet a person who wants you to eat their willy, and then you can be on like really famous oh. in Germany and have Rammstein make a song about you. <laughs> and you can oh. go on telly and be like, I put the penis on the plate and I cooked it with some potatoes and with some. Uh, I think it was <laughs> some broccoli, but it did not taste taste very nice. 
I'll, I'll, Are you sure they'd sound like that, or would they be more like, so I put this penis on the plate I did, <laughs> and I cut into it, and it was it was lovely, it was, it was full of Adam. So, yeah, I'll start at the shaft, and I'll see whether I have the confidence to eat the head when I get to it, but my, that's good. I kind of agree with you, Jim. I'd, rather, I'd have to leave the, I, the head in a doggy bag. Do you think that's an Irish accent down there? there? That's yeah, a little I, I chinster. Think, I think that's if a you, monster. I think if you leave the head, you've chickened out, and you can't like you can't pridefully say to people you ate a penis. Um, I think I think the opposed, idea is to as say opposed f- to like pridefully pride, pridefully saying well, that in any circumstance. Pr- I think you could drunkenly get in a bar and be like, "So there was this one time I ate a gorilla penis in China." Or if you piss someone off and they go, "Go eat a bag of dicks," and you can go, "Well, actually, <laughs> I've made a start." Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that would be quite good. But but you are right. If you're drunkenly bragging that you ate a gorilla penis, the but, first thing someone at the bar is going to ask is, "Did you eat the head of it though?" Yeah. And if you say no, then no, they'll say, "Did it come?" Even if they don't ask, <laughs> even if they don't ask, you'll quietly know in your head. I I don't really have the right to share this story because I left fraud, some of my yeah. penis on the plate. Like I'm a gorilla penis eating yeah. fraud. I just want it to be like I've got like my my soup and bread starter. Then next to it, I've got like my I've got my dessert on the other side, and then in the middle, it's like here is your roast dinner, roast chicken, mashed potatoes, and a big old peacock cock, a peacock on 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 the plate, and just go to town on it. There you go. That's me talking about eating penis. What other questions do we have? I want to know how big a a peacock cock is now, but I don't want to Google it. Uh, Do you want me to brave that that Google search and report back? I'll tell you what has a fucking terrifyingly large penis is turtles. Their dicks go all the way up to their fucking head. They're, They're huge. And they writhe around like something out of one of like Grey's fucking anime hentai shit. Uh, the, it's no wonder Shredder wanted to dine on turtle soup. The, the, the answer about peacock penises is about three inches long. Okay, so so kind of a snack rather than something you're going to want for your dinner. Exactly. Again, I wonder do people eat turtle course. penises as a as a oh, somewhere in the do. world? Somewhere in the world, the cock of every animal's been eaten. Mm. Yeah, like someone's made like turtle penis soup exists. Probably of course they have. So yeah, if, if you're about to Google it, that, by the way, just be prepared. They're absolutely horrifying. Like they, really, it, they're, it they're HR Geiger oh, fucking you, disturbing. Oh, I have a peanut, an animal penis story to contribute. Um, oh, you thank, know what? Thank God. You know what animal has the curly fry of penises? It's a, I did know this. It's a duck. Ducks have corkscrew dicks. They're horrible. They yeah. they latch in and then don't come out. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Duck, duck sex ducks, is yeah. brutal. Ducks have brutal sex duck because sex they basically have really corkscrews nice. for penises. So if you cat, want curly fry dicks, cat sex is pretty dicks, fucking nasty as well, actually. Yeah, if you want curly fry dicks, uh, like a side of curly fry dicks on your meal, go for duck penis. Yeah. yeah, and if you want nightmare, if you want, if you want to have a nightmare dinner, then definitely cat penis. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I witnessed my penis. cat. Um, being what I can only describe as gangbanged <laughs> in the hedge, took her out. Oh, wow. And she was pissed off. Uh, she was like, I want to get right back out there and continue getting gangbanged. And yeah, a few months later, 
little well, baby baby cats came to out. To be fair, wouldn't you be pissed off if you were in the middle of a nice big old orgy and someone came in and was like, nope, you're coming home now, even though you're not done? You'd probably be oh, pissed yeah, off. Oh yeah, absolutely. But like so, a 10 year old kid doesn't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't mention in the story you were ten. That that's important. Oh yeah, context. no, I was yeah. I was a kid. Like okay, well yeah. that explains that somewhat. I um, just heard. And like well, her surrounded by <laughs> other cats. Our next it, di- quest- it didn't look friendly. Let me put. Let me tell you. Uh, our next question comes from Jimmy Brown. <laughs> Would you rather have a world where the games industry lacks all forms of shitty business practices, corruption, and just general fuckery, um, or would you have a w- rather have a world where every game, no matter how shitty the business practices, came out a ten out of ten amazing game? I'm going to take the pass option because it's an either-or question. It is very much a, there's, ideally you'd have a best of both worlds, but is there one Mm. of those you'd prefer? Uh, either-or questions are a bit... Yeah, uh, I'll say 10 out out of 10 amazing game for every every game is hard to argue with. And yeah. if, if the business practices are that shitty, I'll just pirate them in this hypothetical world. If every game was a 10 out of 10, then the score for 10 would go down, I mean, would mean less and, you know... I yeah, there'd just be just... a different scoring nah. system. I don't I... like either our questions. Okay, Let, <laughs> if you were to like, opt out 10 out of 10 for, like, it exceeds your expectations... I mean, they're basically... They, these, these kinds of questions are the binary choice... Yeah, video game it's, moral decision thing. It's hard to say no here's, to. Here's every one. Game would you rather eat? Hyped. Would you rather eat a cat penis or get done up the bum by a turtle penis? I'll eat the cat penis. I'll eat the mm. cat penis every day. Yeah, I mean, you've you've asked me if I'd rather eat something. I I <laughs> that joke. I I feel well. I don't know, Jim. Or stick everyone. something I, up your bum. You know, I. You oh, know. that's true. It is. It, it could go either way with me. Well, I I, I now realise that there is somewhere out there going to be a clip of me saying I'd rather eat cat penis, or just no. like I'll eat cat penis every time. That's a thing that I said. So, other uh, questions we had. Uh, Rom addiction. If you could change one thing in the games community or industry, what would it be and why? Um, more discussions of which penises from which animals you'd eat, or rather have up your ass. I'm I'm gonna go on the penis theme. More dicks in games. More just exposed dingle dangles in video. Are you games. sure we've got enough? We've got enough with Dennis Dyack. No, Andy no, Pitchford, I think we? Uh, well, we got enough dicks, but we don't have enough enough floppy dingly danglies. So let's let's have a rotor that for every. Three pairs of boobs. We have to see one uncensored penis, and we have to as well. Like, yeah, like, you're not allowed to even buy the game without the clerk at GameStop like flashing you a photo of their personal junk. Yeah, uh, and just saying to you like that. You, what do you like about that? You open the box and like the picture of the dick pops out the box like a jack in the box at your face. Yeah. Here's a questionnaire. Tell me what you liked about the penis best. Yeah, and if you can't accurately describe it, then you didn't look at the penis, so... Exactly. Uh, size. Did you uh, like that a lot? Slightly like that? Not like it or not dislike it? Dislike or strongly dislike? Um, what, you what know what the... I would change in would the gaming change? community? What would you change? The, uh, this strange attitude that... Um, 
negative snarky cynicism equates to world weary intelligence and being smart because I feel like optimism and genuine enthusiasm is just automatically now met with a wave of just insulting cynicism whenever you get excited about something and I just I hate that and really I it's just really, I hate it. <laughs> In a similar vein, I would love to get rid of the mentality that by playing the game on a harder difficulty, you are getting a truer version of the experience and that that makes that, you that superior to other players. Yeah, I feel like that needs to go away. Like I equating mean, generally... jaded cynicism to like wisdom is a mistake, I feel mm, like. Yeah. Generally just like less, less... Act actually less dicks like the ones I was implying in my great joke earlier. Um, you know, if we could just cut out all of the people in the community who are, you know, abusive, elitist, gatekeeping tits, then everything would be better. So, like what, what everything. And you know what? I'd also cu- I'd also cut out the people who argue with them all day long because it's just so fucking pointless and it just clogs maybe, up your maybe feet with a, bullshit. Maybe we create a special <laughs> online arena. Where they exclusively go to fight each other forever. I I yeah. think that there is one solution to this. We change the games industry so that only the lovely people that listen to Podquisition get to play video games anymore. There you go. There's the solution. I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. you can't play video games unless you listen to Podquisition. Yeah, so listen to yeah. Podquisition, or we're going to take your video That's games your away gateway. when we take control of the world. It's like when you meet someone in the pub and they're like, "Oh, I like video games." It's like, "Oh, do you? Do you?" Name the 23rd episode of Podquisition. Yeah, which episode of Podquisition did that man talk about shitting in his bathtub? Which one was it, huh? Huh, huh? Huh, huh? Yeah. What what episode was it that Link pissed out his ass? Which one of these photos is Jim's penis? And tell us what you like about it. Um, so, other uh, questions this week. We have a question from Emil Hayes Stephenson. Recommend one piece of work from your co-hosts that you would like us to read, watch, listen to after the podcast. Aha. Uh-huh. Ah, oh, that's quite yeah. good. Um, this Oop. is easy for me, actually, because okay. um, I was I was actually talking to Laura about this oh, uh, on Monday. That thing, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, basically, I mean, it's got to be one. Um, I mean, can we can we say a series? You can you can say I, whatever you like. Because I've got, a, I mean, then I've got to choose between two things that I really like that Laura's done. But I <laughs> guess I'll go just just because the idea is so simple and they're so quick to watch. Um, cooking with depression is. <laughs> yeah. I wish I'd had that idea on Laura's YouTube channel. It's a series called Cooking with Depression, where she teaches you how to cook with depression. And um, I think if you've if you've got depression, I think you will. Get it instantly. There's, there's been a lot of um, people with depression who've had a nice little giggle at this thing that should be depressing, but somehow comes out kind of funny. Yeah, like it, it, it's kind of it's 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 really dismal but perfect. Like it, it's 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 good stuff. So that is my recommendation for Laura, Gavin. Uh, oh God, I mean, again, there's like a lot to pick through. I I have um, one for Gavin. I. Okay, I yeah, think, you take over what I, I think. I think everyone should go listen to, if you've not heard it yet, his Assassin's Creed Syndi- Syndicate song, London Town. I love just everything about like the, the soundscape of that song. I love the the voice and the accent and how it all comes together on that track to just give this really good feel that I think encapsulates that game so well. 
So go listen to mm. London Town. Interesting. What, were you not expecting London Town to be my pick? I was expecting you to wind me up and say Commander Shepard. Oh, well, com- that's co- I, I wish I'd said Commander Shepard now, because as we all know, that is the only song you've ever made, Commander Shepard. But no, I... I've got a fairly obvious one for Gavin, yeah. now that I think about it. Um, Commander Shepard. No, uh, his uh, bio in- bio- blah, 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 Bioshock Infinite song, which he kind of works for what we've been talking about on the show today as well. But uh, Dream of the Sky is a really, really good song, especially if you've heard the other Bioshock songs that Miracle of Sound's done. Um, it's even better. Mm. But even on its own, it's a really good song. With a, it changes style several times throughout, and mm. all that, of them just really that, good. That song makes me wish that more game stories gave me the justification narratively to do that kind of song with all mm, the different mm. cur- crazy different parts you know oh that there is one other of gavin's that i i want to shout out which is he it's the only one of gavin's things that's ever made me cry and it was the uh, the david bowie tribute he did Aww. like go listen mm-hmm. to that as well that was that was stunningly well done cool thank you <laughs> i got i got to think of something of jim's now to to point I, out I, I, while you're thinking of that, I'll, t- I'll do mine for you too. So uh, this week I was reading a really great piece that Laura did about how JRPGs should be more like the Gilmore Girls. Oh my God, I, I fucking loved writing that. It was Yeah, and I think it kind of sums you up because it's kind of jokey, but kind of not as well. Mm. And because Rachel watches the Gilmore Girls, and I call it the Gilmore Milf because your one in it is super hot, whatever her name is, the, the mom. Uh, Laura Lai. Yeah, and yeah. it was a really cool article, and it actually made a, an interesting point as well, as well as being kind of funny and tongue in cheek, which I I think is where you're at your best when you oh. mix those two. I yeah. I I enjoyed writing that, and it totally didn't come out of just the fact that like I was very tired and had watched two seasons of Gilmore Girls back to back and needed to write something. <laughs> yeah, and um, for Jim, for Jim, this is a really obvious one. But his Final Fantasy objective oh, review. That, always, that's kind of my Commander Shepard. Always that. makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not really? that I, I dislike it. Oh, shit, I, it's not sorry. that I dislike it. It's just the, sorry, the one know. that you know comes up when people mention your work. Like, oh, really? I that, didn't know that's that. That's the one that comes up. Sorry. Um, no, 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 sorry. It, it's, I'm actually pleased with it. I just kind of wish that I'd had the idea to do it now yeah, rather yeah. than years ago on a, a website that I. Uh, have nothing to do with anymore, oh. and therefore when well, you it's can always do to, it again with a new game. Well, I did you it again. You could do it with the new actually, Final Fantasy. I made a Jimquisition out of it mm. on the Escapist, another <laughs> yeah. website I have nothing to do with now, and and you know it's not a direct um, part of my work anymore, really. So that's the only mm. issue with it is it's kind of. It, it's Destructoid's objective review, or the Escapist's video mm. on the objective review. It's not... Yeah. Since I've moved on to having everything under my own sort of personal brand, as it were, yeah. um, anything outside it now feels a little bit not mine. And it yeah. kind of legally is at least 50% not mine, so mm-hmm. it kind okay, of... Okay, well, then, then we'll go with Jim Saw in the Garage. Uh, for, for Jim, I would say your copyright deadlock video was superbly handled and just made me chuckle the whole way through. I very much enjoyed that. So and any really any video on Konami that. is always going to be oh, full yeah. of some nice nice cathartic vitriol. 
I, di- I didn't want to go too recent, but I thought you did a very good job with your most recent Jimquisition to the point that I came and told you that I thought it was superbly oh, yes, thank well you. done. So that, yeah, I was pleased with that. That one. was a very good one, what you did. You had a nicely received video on your channel recently as well, Laura, with the um, when you adapted the more serious tone and people uh, was, liked it. Was that my Peter Molyneux and uh, No Man's Sky No thing? Man's Sky, yeah. Yeah, that, that went well and I... Seemingly putting my face at the start and end before doing talking went over okay. Um, so that was good. Yeah, that's, Ow, a, that's us promoting me. things what the others have done. I, we were supposed to promote <laughs> one for each person, but we kind of fell away from that very quickly. Um, God, it's such it's a pity good. we're all too good to pick one thing. Oh, I know. We've got, we got too <laughs> many Self things fellatio. we want to recommend Here we go. Oh, 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 oh. Um, <laughs> last question. Um... We'll go for one from Asloka. What is the game that let you all down the most? Aliens Colonial Marines. Like, I don't even have to think about that one. Done. Dusted. I wasn't too excited about it, so it didn't let me down as such. Um... I mean, mine is such an obvious choice that I'm, again, a broken record here. Mass Effect 3. I'm trying to think of one that's really disappointed me. Um... I thought more, was more say, recently, I'm not disappointed by it, and then I was just going to leave. More well, recently, Mir- Mirror's Edge uh, Catalyst. Yeah. Like what, sorry? Mirror's Edge, the sequel. Yeah. That was I, I was disappointed by that one. I didn't even like the first one very much. I just, I guess I expected, I, I was hoping for like modern improvements because there'd been so many parkour games bef- like since Mirror's Edge yeah. that I was like, they could, they could take that stuff and make this one what the first one should have been. Yeah. And instead it was this, like the most oh. limp, flimsy, open world, but not really I'd ever seen. It was but, horrible. I, I know what my answer is. The most disappointing game for me was Broken Age Act 2. Because Act Ooh. 1 of Broken Age was so superb and it ended on such a good. phenomenal twist. I was like Game of the Year nominee for Act 1. And Act 2, I just walked out on like that was really unfulfilling in every regard. Shit. I still haven't played Episode oh, 2. Don't. I played Episode 1, but I never okay. got around to it. I'm, I'm going to sum up for you why uh, Act 2 fails where Act 1 succeeds. Um, okay. The... Puzzles lose all the reason. Where Act 1's puzzles were all very... Very much... As long as you thought about them, you could work out the solution, and the game never actively tried to mislead you about a solution. Act 2 has multiple puzzles where the game will tell you, Nope, you... This is not the solution. Go away. Stop trying this because we're telling you this isn't the solution. And you have to wait around and persist and wait around longer than you should be expected to while the game tells you this isn't the solution to then get a solution to a puzzle where the game actively lies to you about solutions oh i so no, there's no. that and that's unforgivable games um, that, games that yeah. lie about their fucking progression yeah. To trick you It's the laziest so, thing I'm, I will use the word lazy yeah. for, for anyone that plays that um, too I'm just going to say now When you get to the snake And the game tells you Okay nothing's going to happen Ignore the game And just keep waiting I'm going to tell I've people got... that now Because that's fucking that, like, I don't know anyone who found that made sense I've actually um, thought of two, two ones That aren't Mass Effect 3 now Oh um, yeah Oh hit us 
Destiny and Assassin's oh, Creed yeah. 3. They were both Not like bad. real mm. letdowns for me. Yeah. So Mad Max was another one for me. Oh yeah. Last year's I, Mad Max. I liked that more than I expected to actually. Yeah, a lot of people liked it. I just yeah. and a lot of people didn't expect to like it because it was so badly marketed. Like yeah. no, Warner Brothers did not capitalize on Fury Road at all. Um but again, I I say this as someone who plays, you know, most games that come out um, yeah. Whether I, you know, get sent them or buy them, um, so I have played so many open world action games that it was just another one, mm. and the the Mad Max nods seemed a bit weak to justify what was another open yeah. world game with another dozen repetitive tasks I, that you got to do over oh. and over. I think I think Modern Warfare Three is also worth mentioning here because it was the point where. I think most people realize, yeah, the series isn't going to change. It's going to keep doing the yeah. same. It's going to keep bringing back the same problems in every iteration, and it's not going to try and fix mm. them. And they and they were right. It still has the I same know, I mean, problems. I, th- I think Modern Warfare Three had its charms. Mm. Oh no! Right. Like the campaign, nine point five out of ten of them. <laughs> the, the campaign I'm not sorry. was great. You know, I'm I'm talking solely about the multiplayer here. 9.5 out of 10, yeah. I'm all sorry. Um, I just wanted to give a quick nod to Human Resource Machine, which was the new game from the people that did World of Goo and uh, Little Inferno. I love both World of Goo and Little Inferno. Human Resource Machine is a game that is simultaneously too... It's a game about like programming that's simultaneously too simple for people who actually know how to do programming but in many ways too difficult for people who have no experience with programming. It doesn't feel like its difficulty is based for either of those people, and the narrative ends on a very disappointingly flat nothing note, which is a real shame considering the first two games that studio put out, so... If, yeah. if, Left, if Left for Dead 3 is announced before Half-Life 3, that's going to be my newest, most disappointing game for the fact that it's a new Valve game that isn't fucking Half-Life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, is that a good place for us to, to wrap up then? I'm good with that, yes. Yeah. My leg is uh, starting to give me trouble. Um, for those interested in, in that whole saga, I'm, uh, I'm looking at surgery now for my... Uh, whole back hernia situation nothing major so it's not that anything i'm making a huge deal out of it um should just be a simple once they bother to give me an appointment that's the worst part is just waiting for it Mm. to happen but a simple outpatient procedure um pull me uh back fat open uh get in there and then just cut off the bit that's uh sort of poking out and pressing all my nerves that that make my leg unusable sometimes so yeah, looking f- actually really looking forward to getting it done, if I'm honest. So that's where I'm at with that. But That sounds while... painful, man. That sounds like fucking Blood Eagle they're going to do to you or some shit. <laughs> Honestly, compared to what I've been dealing with since January, the, the idea of having it cut out is nothing but relief in mm. my mind. Yeah, like, I yeah. cannot... The idea of it is so good yeah. um, that, that I, I, I can think of nothing more erotic, even, than having the, the bulging spinal fluid um carved out of my my vertebrae really um very seductive uh, laura speaking about seductive people are now charmed and allured 
by the great podcast we've done and they want more, where can they get more Laura? Well, they can get more Laura at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Laura K. Buzz on Patreon, which pays the bills. Laura K. Buzz on YouTube, where I have been doing a bunch of videos about depressing cooking and video game conspiracy theories this last couple of weeks. I've been wrapping my head in tinfoil and talking about how Watch Dogs 2 is a conspiracy to take down Donald Trump as president. So go... Legit gaming news is also yeah, a very good totally series, legit so yeah. gaming news. I am I have bought so much tinfoil, the next couple of episodes are going to be very fun. Um, so yeah, Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Otherwise, letsplayvideogames.com and I'm going to be at EGX this weekend, so if you're at EGX, come say hi. I'll be me. Wonderful. And Gavin, where can people find that great, great music we were talking about <coughs> just moments ago? You can find me on YouTube, my main hub, Miracle of Sound, and you can find me on Twitter at Miracle of Sound. And in the next few weeks, you might be seeing something I'm working on at the moment, which might just be a little cross-promotion thing with a certain developer, which might just be a remaster of a very popular song I've done, and I'll leave you to imagine why I might be remastering one of my songs. It's Commander Shepard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Gavin, for joining me, as always. Thank you all for listening and for your continued support of the Jimquisition umbrella of ideas and fun and frolics. And as always, we will see you next week, so definitely be there, because we'll be very lonely without you. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.